Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hello, hello, hello. My friend and colleague Susan Hyatt is here today as my next guest, co-host. The beautiful things about my life are the amazing people I get to talk with, and I love being able to share with you all these conversations. And instead of talking to people once in a while, I decided a while back to have a group of shows where we could talk about one topic each week. So I I get to pick one of my friends and we come on the show and we get to really dive deep. Previous guests, co-hosts have been my friends, Michelle Woodward, Jen Loudon, actor Anna Vuccino, and now Susan Hyatt. In today's conversation, Susan and I talk about priorities, how to make them and live within them. We're going to talk to you and we're going to go behind the scenes of how we live with our own priorities, even when life gets messy. We're going to talk about being hijacked by our lives versus choosing, having to do something versus choosing to do something, deciding your top values and priorities, the choices that we make, and we'll also talk about self-reflection. So I will circle back after my conversation with Susan. Hello and welcome. Today I'm here with my friend Susan Hyatt, life coach extraordinaire, and we're going to talk about priorities, how to make them, and how we actually live within our priorities. Susan, hello oh, and welcome back. Hello, Corinne. I'm really excited to be back with you. It is always such a pleasure to be on your show. Not only do you make these interviews fun and interesting, but I know you have such an amazing audience of listeners, so I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, and you're going to be here for a while because you're my my next visiting guest co-host. Yay! It's so exciting! I know. Like, who would have thought when I was getting in trouble in school for talking too much (laughs) that eventually I would actually get paid to talk? (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So we we want to talk about priorities. And do you want to share with the listeners your story of this morning? Because we had this priority of you and I were going to be on the show together. We've had this booked for months now. Yes. And then what happened? <sighs> so here's what happened. Um, and this is going to sound totally all like first world problems. I know. Um, no one lost a finger. There's no major problems. However... Life is messy, but it can still be amazing. So here's what happened. So I um, was gone for a whole month, which was awesome and amazing, in Italy. And I was facilitating. uh, First part of that trip was a family vacation. The last part of that trip, I uh, had two retreats back to back. And it is an awesome way to make a living, let me just say. But I was wiped coming back into the United States. And so um, I actually landed on Mother's Day home, slept for 16 hours, um, got up Monday morning and and felt really great and uh, had Monday kind of, you know, off and got my life priorities back in check. You know, uh, I will say also, Corinne, this can be fodder for our discussion that while I was away, my lovely contractors gutted my kitchen. <laughs> so 
while I'm away, they start construction on a new kitchen, which I am holding the vision of my marble <laughs> countertops to get me through the reality of no sink, no dishwasher, no stove, no microwave. Um, so I'm kind of doing all right through the week and really looking forward to my fun Friday, which is a value and a priority that I have for myself that I no longer work on on Fridays. Uh, those are my days to do whatever I want. And so my lovely husband, who I call the silver fox, Scott Hyatt says to me, I believe it was yesterday. It could have been the day before, but less than 36 hours, but I'm safe to say before his procedure says to me, Oh yeah, don't forget that. Um, Friday, I'm having that colonoscopy. You can take me and pick me up, right? And so I'm like, colonoscopy? No, you've not told me about the colonoscopy. So first, let me pause and think, oh, my gosh, we're old enough to be talking about colonoscopies. And then secondly, what time? I have no idea. So he tells me he needs to be there by 7 and to be picked up. It should be all wrapped up by nine. And I start thinking, well, I have this show with you, Karen, and some other things that I wanted to do on my first fr fun Friday of being back. And, and I decide, okay, you know, I can do that. My son, who now drives, God save us all, um, was available as backup. But we get to the, we, we get, I go running this morning. I come back, take the fastest shower you can ever imagine, throw on some clothes. I have wet hair, no makeup. I'm just going up there as is um, because I very much value the priority of getting my run in. We pull into the hospital campus and my husband says, gee, I wonder where I'm supposed to go. And I'm saying, thinking to myself, what do you mean you don't, where's the paperwork or the correspondence? What did I tell you? What suite number? So he's like, I know it's the GI wing, but I'm not, you know, we're looking at all these buildings as we pull into the main entrance of this hospital. And I'm thinking, I, 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 like this, this man, I love him dearly, but he has no idea where he's supposed to go. So we stop at a couple of desks. We ultimately find out where in the hospital he's supposed to go. And when the nurse is checking him in, taking his vitals, she asks, when's the last time you had something to eat? Did you do all the lovely prep work for your colonoscopy? Did you have anything to drink? And he says, I haven't had anything to eat since yesterday, but I did have some water this morning. And she pauses and said, well, how much water? Oh, probably 10 ounces. At which point she scuttles out of the room and someone else comes in to break the bad news that, hey, dude, you were instructed not to eat or drink anything after midnight because they're putting you under. And when they put you under, if you've had something to drink, you run the risk of aspirating on the table. Oi. So the doctor comes in and says, well, we're not going to make you go home because we really want to get this done for you. I'm going to go do another procedure. 
we're going to do it at 11. So this is 8 a.m. at this point. I said, okay, well, I'll sit here and talk to you for a little while, and then I'm going to go to my appointment, and Ryan, our 16-year-old, is going to have to pick you up because I don't want to be rushed to get on the phone with Corinne. Okay, that's fine. So I go to my, my appointment is my massage that I've very much been looking forward to after hauling luggage (laughs) and sleeping on a plane for eight hours. I go to my massage. I come out and my phone has blown up with Ryan's not here. Do you know where he is? Just to wrap up this very ultra long story. You know, my son had spaced and thought he could pick him up at 1130 for some reason and he, this guy's sitting there waiting to leave the hospital. So I go to the hospital, go through the whole check him out procedure. They bring him out in a wheelchair, whole nine yards. And I come home. And on the ride home, I'm thinking, he's like, wow, you seem really irritated. And, and I say, you know what? I really am. Because I didn't, on the onset of this, even know about the appointment. Number two, I had things on my calendar. I want to be there for you, but I had things on my own calendar that were there before you told me. And then, like, we get there. You don't know where to go. You've kind of messed up the whole not eating or drinking thing. So the time changes yet again. And then my backup let me down. And so between the two of you guys, who I love very much, you're putting the, the riot in the Hyatt Riot name right now. And, uh, you know, I'm just a teeny tiny bit irritated. So, you know, what what's one to do when life gets messy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so I love that because you were also, you were saying what it was that you needed, right? You were circling right. back and giving feedback about how this affected you. And that I think is the step that so many women don't do. They just silently let it just fester and build and and then let go of their own priorities. Like, oh, well, I'm going to have to cancel this because this happened. Or I'm going to have to cancel right. this and because this happened. And then at right. the end of the day or at the end of the week, they look at their week and realize my whole life has been just hijacked by my family. What a great way to put it. Um, very succinctly well put. Yeah, a lot of my clients um, do feel like their lives have been hijacked and and become like that sense of irritation that I had <laughs> coming out of my <laughs> – and I realized when I listened to myself, it's like, okay, you know, I've had actually a great morning. I've gone for a nice run. I've had a nice massage. Yeah, there's some irritation thrown in there. Life is fine. But when that happens on a daily basis, and like you're saying, you're just swallowing it down, not standing in your own power and saying, like, here's how this doesn't work for me. And next time, here's what needs to happen. If that's not happening, then what happens is people really do become, women become depressed. I mean, the Mm -hmm. numbers, and I'm sure you've talked about this on your show before, but the ever rising dramatic numbers of women who are treated for depression uh, far exceed our male counterparts. And I think part of that reason is that we will caretake to the point of our own detriment. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's about living and knowing what your priorities are, right? For you, you're really clear about Fridays are your fun days. So even when you and I went back and forth about you becoming the next uh, guest co-host, you, I tape on Fridays. This is your Friday fun day. I knew that. We went back and forth a bit about it. But you felt that, okay, this is a short-term duration. It's important enough that I can make space for it and do that. And it's not about, it's not hijacking, but it's when we make a deliberate decision, a deliberate Mm -hmm. choice about something and saying, okay. And then what happened was this week, there's a whole bunch of events, right? Coming back from Italy, being jet lagged, re-entering into home life, which is anytime we travel, whether it's for work or pleasure, there's always going to be that. And then the realities of our home. And then when our families forget to communicate with us, which this happens to, there's not a person that's listening that hasn't experienced this. We all right. experience this, right? We just, right. sometimes we kind of take for granted those that we love and, and, and not even, not meanly. I'm not saying that Scott did that meanly. It's, we're busy. I mean, your family's busy. Right. My family's busy. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like my girlfriend was coming into town. I forgot. And on Wednesday, I was telling my kids that she's coming in and they're like, well, how come you're just telling me now? And I was like, I just forgot. <laughs> right. So <laughs> right. we, we just forget because we're so busy with our lives. But then how do we, ask for what we need. And one of the things that you did is when we were preparing yesterday for today's show, you just said, Hey, look, Scott's got this colonoscopy. It may be a little tight. And then I went back to you and I said, Hey, do you want to push it back an hour? I actually have the space on my schedule to do that. And we decided to do that. And thank goodness that we did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I think this, and I appreciate you sharing the story because I think it's so important because people can look at you, especially, you know, on Facebook and, oh, Susan Hyatt's got this great life. And I know this happens to me of, you know, I've had clients say this, oh, you're a life coach. You must have this perfect life. And it's not that we do. We have a great life, but there are also things that could take us down. Yeah. And, and absolutely. I, and I think the big thing is by doing the work that we do is that, I don't know about you, but me, the stuff used to take me down. And now it's not about taking me down, but it's about how do I set up boundaries? How do I circle back and say, hey, look, I mean, we have the same situation going on in our house where my husband wants to go to Vancouver this summer. He's come up with this great idea. We always go to Montana, but he wants to end at Vancouver. But our kid's passport has expired. That's why they didn't go to London with us in 2012 for the Olympics. And so he said, we need to get passports. I go, great. He goes, I'm going to take care of it. Great. Because I'm, I'm, that's not within my list of priorities right now. And so this has been going, what is this, May? I think this has been going on since March, Susan, March that we've needed to get passports. So we did go one day. He filled out the paperwork and he said, okay, he, we went that one day and he, we went on like, I don't know, a weekday or something at four o'clock and it was closed. And so, you know, we had to come home and then this time we know we need to make an appointment or we may just like go during lunchtime for the kid's school. So he keeps saying, oh, we need to go at such and such time. And the last time that he wanted to go, I had a client call and I said, I can't, I can't miss this. I can't reschedule it. So we need to find another day. This may work in your schedule. And that is very different than me 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, I would have let that get hijacked. Oh, okay, you need this. I need to be the dutiful wife and mother and get this done. Because our back is kind of getting up against the wall with the timeline. And I just realized, you know, if we go to Vancouver, that's wonderful. And if we don't, that's okay. But right. I, this is something that I'm, I don't have that capacity to just shift stuff. Because a lot of times my schedule is booked months in advance. So 
just just this morning he was walking out. I was wa- I was doing some dishes and he said, "Oh, we need to get our passports." And he said on Monday, and I and I just I just very calmly said, "I'm a, I'm booked on Monday. We need to find another day." And again, that's a very different conversation than we used to have, where it was like, "Okay, this is when he wants it. Let me move it aside." And then. So in a lot of times, it was me hustling for my worthiness. See, this is how much I care about my family. I'm willing to sacrifice. This is how much, how good of a wife I am. I'm willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And now, yeah. I, I, there's times that I can have some flexibility. So here's another story. I had a client who was in a bit of a crisis with her job, and um, she, she had sent me an email, and she said, Something's happened, you know, I really need a session with you. And I looked at my schedule the following week and it was pretty booked. And the only spot that I had open was my lunch hour that I give myself. And I looked at that and I thought about it. I thought about it for probably a good 24 hours. And then I got back to her and I said, I can give you this time. Does this time work? And it did. And so it just put me in this like coaching marathon for hours, like mm-hmm. six or seven hours straight. And, and you know how hard that is. And so, but I just made that choice. That was... Even though that my priority is to make sure I get that break in the day when I coach, this was something that I knew that she needed help with and I was trying to find a spot for her. And right. I was okay with that. So I made sure I rested really well the night before. I made sure I had plenty of, you know, food or stuff to contain me for the all the hours that I was going to be coaching so that I could still serve my clients. And I think that's what happens when what we're talking about of priorities, how to have them and then how do you actually live with them. Yeah. I I mean, and I think that you bring up a really good point in that um, there is a big difference between having to do something and choosing to do something, uh, which is a great coaching tool that that we both use in in helping ourselves and our clients understand that a lot, uh, there's very little that we have to do. Um, but we're choosing to do certain things. And so like you were saying with your marathon coaching day and me with um, having our interview on a fun Friday, I chose to do that because I very much value this collaboration. And when I look at the bigger picture, it was an easy choice for me to make. Um, So therefore, when I'm owning it, that, hey, I'm choosing to put this interview here then I'm not creating all this inner drama, this woe is me, you know, kind of stuff to go on. Um, if, if, uh, for example, with um, the drama that went on this morning, <laughs> if I had begrudgingly canceled my run and my massage and, and even this interview, you know, said, hey, I can't make it on time because, you know, Ryan didn't pick him up, blah, 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 you know, I... That's when it turns into feeling like your life is out of control and thing, you know, things that clients say and that I used to say that nothing works out for me, everybody else has fun for me, I do everything for everyone else, when is it my turn? And so I think when you decide what your top values and priorities are and you start really looking at why am I doing some of the things that I'm doing and And also, what am I doing that's in direct opposition to what I say I want, Mm -hmm. which is stuff that I used to do all the time. I would get really bitter during swimsuit season (laughs) because I didn't like how my body looked 
and that I was 35 pounds over my natural weight. But I wasn't making choices that were in alignment with a goal to have a healthy body. And I also wasn't choosing to be kind to myself in my own mind about how my body looked. So I recently wrote this blog post called um, Don't Be Mad About the Results You Didn't Get from the Work You Didn't Do. And, <laughs> and that was me. I would get so mad that I, you know, it's like, you know, if Susan Hyatt, if you say you want certain things like connected friendships and a healthy marriage and um, downtime, then let's take a look at some of the choices you're making that are in direct opposition to that. And why are you doing that? And let's figure that out so that you're living in integrity with your values and priorities. So that's so important of what you're talking about. And I'll get that link from you and put it in the show notes for the blog post. because That'll be great for the listeners to go back to after this interview. But when we, when we talk about values and priorities, let's, let's stop for a second because I do this work all the time with clients. Like what are your priorities? And so how, how do you help people find out their priorities or how can our listeners help find out their priorities? What is, what is the, what do you think is the key to finding out your priorities? Well, I think it's actually really helpful to take a look at, okay, what's going on in your life right now that you're spending all your time and your energy and your money on. So it might not be what you think your priorities are, but how you're living is really what you value. So let's take a look at what's going on right now. And then a lot of times clients will say, you know, I spend whatever it is, I spend all my time working or I spend all my time taking care of my family. And that's like their personal religion, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, work, 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 or sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And, then when I say, well, if I had a magic wand, how would life be? What would your ideal day be like? And what would your, what would things be? And, and sometimes they have a hard time with that because mm -hmm. they can't imagine how life would be any different just because, well, Hey, I've got these three kids or, you know, I have to pay my mortgage. So I don't really get what you're trying to do here. <laughs> and so then I say, uh, one of my favorite things to do is to have them take a look at, you mentioned Facebook. What is it when you scroll through your newsfeed on Facebook that makes you either irritated or jealous or daydreamy? You know, do you see things happening? And I do this all the time. I, I take note of what I notice maybe and let's be clear that everyone's Facebook is a highlight reel, right? Mm -hmm. But on my, and I love people's highlights reels, but if I see someone's highlight reel and I notice like, wow, I would love to, whatever it is, have a farm to table dinner or go to Italy or, um, you know, sponsor an inner city child in a nature retreat, you know, whatever it might be, I take notes to what I notice I crave in other people's highlight reels. And that can be a great starting point for people to, to understand that maybe their whole life is centered around the value of security, but what they really value deep down is freedom. And, or 
um, you know, maybe they give a lot of lip service to close, tight family connections, but when you look at how they're spending their day-to-day lives, it's a complete disconnection from real people. So um, that's a gr- I think that's a great starting point for peeps to help figure out what are the priorities they're living and how is that different from the priorities they think they have. It's that minding the gap, figuring out where the gap is between the idea versus their reality. Right. Yeah, paying attention. And do you find um, that when 10 years ago or 15 years ago, were you even aware that there was a gap between what you wanted and how you were actually choosing to live? Did you know that yeah. you were choosing to live that way or did you think life was happening to you? Well, I know at first I really felt like life was just happening to me. Um, I, it took a little bit for me to, to to learn that, that, wow, I'm actually choosing to do these things and I could choose something else. And so, um, you know, one of the things that or one of the biggest things that I talk about in terms of the way that I was living that was really different than how I wanted to be living was you know, back when I was in residential real estate, I was good at it and I was making great money, but it was not fulfilling to me at all. Um, and I couldn't quite figure out I, what else I might do. And so while I knew that I was in a job that was sucking my soul, I couldn't see any way out because I couldn't come up with any other thing I'd rather do. I didn't think I was necessarily very good at much Mm -hmm. and um, felt this strong sense of obligation to continue earning the money that I was earning to support the lifestyle my family was living. And it wasn't until I really started pecking away at that and hearing stories, reading stories in books like Martha Beck's Finding Your Own North Star um, of people who were doing things differently that, oh my God, there was a whole world of people out there who maybe didn't buy into the values that I was raised with. And that was a big shock to me. Like, (laughs) wait a minute, what? (laughs) Like everybody doesn't value the quote-unquote American dream? There are people out there choosing not to buy big houses? What? And it was really quite freeing and mind-blowing for me to see and hear examples of people who are doing it differently, which is why I think shows like yours are so important so that perhaps someone listening could could think, wow, if that woman could do it, maybe I could. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things I talk about all the time. Like, if this is possible for this person, what is possible for you? And to to break free of those prison walls that we've been conditioned to of what a good life is. Like, what is a good life for you? How does it look like? Yeah. So, and I and I love that because it goes back to this choices thing, like how you were talking earlier about you made a choice to make space on your fun Friday to do this show, to have this conversation with me today. And so often we don't think that we're making choices. It's, it's that, oh, life is happening. But I think sometimes right. even before the priorities, it's realizing that you make a choice. You know, even with my husband, I made a choice to say, here's my schedule. It is booked. 
we'll need to find another day. Right. Right. And, and it was, it was, it was gentle. It was what it was. It wasn't like, screw you. I can't do this. Who do you think you are? It wasn't any of that stuff. It was just, here's a boundary and this is what's happening in my life. Let's look for another day because there's always another day. There's always another right. time that we can look at instead of thinking it has to be rigid. So, right. 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 And then, and then with, your situation with Scott this morning, I mean, there's a bit of a difference because he is there and, and they and even the hospital had to make some adjustments because he drank that water. But it wasn't right. black and white. There was some ability to to make some adjustments. It's so funny. He drank that water. You drank that water, fool. Oh my God. And you know what? Here's the other thing I was thinking about this. Just my own self reflection because I was so annoyed. Um <laughs> I was really thinking to myself, um, I love to think about time and money. They're so related, the energy between time and money. And I didn't overbook myself. That's not what was happening. But I did think, you know, coming back from a big trip like this, like leading up to my big trip and then coming back from that big trip, there's certainly was not or has not been as much white space in my calendar as there usually is. And it was actually a great reminder to me that, you know, once this week is over, that's going to be a really great thing for me because I want to honor the white space so that when screw-ups happen, life is messy, it happens, that it doesn't totally wreck my morning, which Mm -hmm. it didn't. But it was kind of that contrast of like, wow, when I'm not quite as busy, this really would have been no big. Like, I just would have been like, either, uh, oh, okay, I can do it, or no, you know what, I can't, Ryan's going to do it. But because I'm not as well rested as I usually am, and because I have, um, like, coming back from this trip, caught up with a lot of client, more clients in the week than I normally would. My fuse is much shorter. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a good reminder that, hey, this is why it's important to honor the white space because life is messy, shit happens. And you can navigate that so much more easily, even though I navigated it just fine. Internally, it could have been a little easier for me had I had in my time bank a little more buffer. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes down to what's that cost to you, mm-hmm. right? And so even though now you're further along than 15 years ago what it would have happened, there's still a little bit of cost. And it's like, oh, and that you said an important thing that I hope the listeners caught, that self-reflection. You know, when we can create our own awareness to what's going on, how are we feeling? What are we thinking? What can we learn from this so that the next time it happens, we can tweak it and make it better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And you know, Scott was so funny. He even said in the car ride home, and this is another thing that I think is important because we build up in our minds what what's going on. So he's sending a text that's just saying, hey, where's Ryan? I'm, I'm ready to be picked up. In my mind, I'm building this story like, oh, this poor guy, he's just had this procedure and he's sitting there and the nurses are probably like, where's his family? <laughs> right? Like, oh my God, he doesn't have a ride. And in all reality, he was like, I was fine. I could have sat there another half hour and waited for Ryan. No big deal. Mm -hmm. So it was also a great lesson in how 
our minds can become really overactive when we're in a rush as well. Mm-hmm. It's And isn't it more our minds than really the situations going on? Totally. Right. Like he was sitting there fine. He didn't, I mean, he wasn't irritated. He wasn't pro- probably because he's drugged up, but <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't, he was, there was no drama. Mm-hmm. There was no drama. Except in your all. mind. Except in my mind. <laughs> right. In my mind, there was a whole lot, a lot of drama. Less drama than there would have been several years ago, but still some <laughs> drama. <laughs> it, our minds are amazing. Like my, the things that my brain likes to tell me <laughs> are just amazing. And, and now I just know like, oh, this is what it does. Okay, come back here. <laughs> what is really true? What's happening? What, what are my priorities? What do I want to do? And my, the question I've been asking myself lately is, what if it could be easy? Mm-hmm. You know? I love that one. I use that one too. Yeah. What if it so could awesome. be easy instead of thinking, because I used to have this, you know, and I still can this thing of like, let me prove myself by how hard I work. And, but what if it could be easy? So this morning, uh, my girlfriend who was in town, she, we, we woke up and she was, we were just hanging around in the kitchen and my day is pretty full. And, you know, I'll come home from practice tonight and cook dinner and didn't want to go out to eat. We had dinner out last night. So I really wanted to have something at home that would, you know, feed my, fuel my family really well. Plus my daughter has this big swim meet tomorrow. And so while I was talking during the kitchen, we're having a great conversation. I just started cooking, you know, preparing all the food. That way when I come home tonight, all I have to do is cook the chicken. And, you know, throw a salad together and we're going to have roasted broccoli and it will be, there we go, dinner's taken care of. And that was a part of what it could be easy. What if it could be easy? Like we didn't need to go out this morning to have coffee. Like we were able to sit in our my kitchen, connect. That's what I really wanted. And I was able to add in something else that allowed me to make my life easier for tonight, you know, when I come home Friday night. Um, and it would be easy. I can have dinner for my family and then we can spend time together. So... I'm very excited about that. Yay! And so, you know, you did, I think that that question, how can I make this easier on myself, mm-hmm. is something that I like to ask when I'm doing projects, when I'm doing things for work, because I can make things very complicated <laughs> if I'm left to my own default mode. And then also, how could this be more fun? is another one that I like to ask. How could this be even more fun? So easy and fun are two things I'm a huge fan of. And whether it's, um, like you're saying, having someone over and preparing dinner in a way that's not, you know, you're not going to try to tackle some, uh, you know, Michelin star restaurant recipe Mm -hmm. while someone's coming over and just wanting to spend time with you. I think that's awesome. And I think that, um, that one question is something that could become a big priority for people that may seem a little counterintuitive um, because at least in this country, uh, we're raised with hard work is meant to be hard mm-hmm. and, you know, you got to put forth 100% effort and, and those things are fine, but people are killing themselves. Like how refreshing to think how could I actually make this easy on myself and probably better? Mm-hmm. Well, especially for me, because as the listeners know, I've only learned how to cook in the last couple of years. So like my girlfriend was sitting there watching me going, I can't believe you're touching raw fish. And 
or not raw fish, raw chicken. And but oh, it, I remember this. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yes. And so the the idea of what if it could be easy gets rid of the story that cooking is hard or it's so complicated. I mean, it was a really simple, we're having lemon garlic chicken. And one of my favorite things to do, I really love to peel garlic. I don't know why. It's just something I love to do. And so, you know, talking to her and doing it, it was something that was easy. And I think of easy as a constraint, like that question, what if it could be easy? I think of that as a boundary because I could get into oh, I have to make it really hard and complicated to have value. But then that can be overwhelming and I can say, my life is too full. I don't have time for this. And that's what I used to do. But what if it could be easy? So one of my rules around cooking is it has to have less than five ingredients. I have to keep it as simple as possible so I can just get it done. Because it's the most important thing is that we have nourishing food on the table to feed myself and my family. That's it. And, and I want it to taste good. But I, you know, I can't worry about like all these simple little ingredients. I kind of have like our five things that we like to have, our five different ingredients. Excellent. That's my kind of cooking as well. So yeah, the what, well, what if it can be easy, I think is a great boundary to have. It, and then there are times that with the cooking, I don't need it to be this five-star restaurant meal. That's not my priority. Right. But there are things that I really want it to be, you know, 100% all in, what, like working with clients. So then it's about focusing on that part and managing my energy so that the, the things that are easy don't take that much time because I can't run at 100% in all aspects of my life. Can you? No. Oh, my gosh, no. Because <laughs> um, uh, I tried that. It didn't work out really well for me. <laughs> and it resulted in, you know, being in the fetal position under my desk. So it works out way better for me. I actually give myself permission quite often to produce B minus at a B minus level. And that kind of keeps me in balance. I also, which for a recovering overachiever, that's major. Um, The other thing that I do that keeps me from trying to go at a thousand percent in every area of my life is to... Um, use the um, the hunger scale, mm-hmm. which is something that I teach people, um, which is basically if you are working, if, if you have a scale from negative 10 at one end, zero in the middle, positive 10 at the other end. With the hunger scale, I teach women how to lose weight without dieting. And part of that is helping them connect with their bodies again and understand what it feels like to be hungry and to be satisfied. And that range we call eating between the twos, negative two to positive two. Um, And I actually apply that to all areas of my life, particularly work. So if I am working between the twos and eating between the twos and exercising between the twos and, you know, spending time with friends and family between the twos, that is a nice, energetic, healthy flow that doesn't take me too far into deprivation mode, and it also doesn't um, overstuff me. And it, has, it that visual for me of imagining that scale and also understanding what that feels like. When I'm at a plus two, I know it. Like, I've had enough. I'm satiated, not just with food, but like, you know what? I've worked enough on this project, or I've spent enough time with you, or um, I've traveled enough. It's time now to swing back the other way a little bit. And 
I think before, like how you're describing, if I was trying to plus 10 everything, that mm-hmm. is burnout for sure. Mm-hmm. Now that is, that is burnout. And that's where that exhaustion comes from that we, so many of our clients have when they come to us. I love how you transferred that over to work because I use that also with feelings. Where, where are you on your feeling scale? So, you know, when I teach my clients the hunger scale, then I, we later move it over to the feeling. So what, where is this feeling on this feeling scale? And because most of the feelings that people want are in that, you know, two to two range. They don't want to feel totally bad. But they're going to feel some feelings because that's you can't feel the bad feelings. You can't feel the good feelings without being able to feel the bad feelings. We just don't need them to be the catastrophic feelings. And then how do you, you know, and then feeling the joyful feelings and and being happy and then, you know, being calm or content or motivated and being in that. So I like to use the hunger scale as a feeling scale as well. Awesome. <laughs> and now we, smart. now we have a work scale. And I, you know, and I think about that a lot. I think about... uh we ha- sometimes I, I check in, where am I in terms of learning? Because I do love to learn and I have this huge desire to learn. But then sometimes I get really full on that and I'm like, okay, I can back away from that. And where am I in my work? And knowing, knowing ooh, right now I'm, I'm on the empty side of being able to create something. So what do I need to go fill up so that I can get myself in the place that I can create stuff? And I pay attention to that instead of how many hours have I been working or... Yes. You know, yes. what What time of day is it? And I shouldn't be doing this because this is work hours. I love it. And I, and I think that that's a really smart way to approach it because everybody, just like with the hunger scale, everybody's two to two is different. You know, if, this is why I cringe when people talk about what proper portions are, portion sizes. Well, it depends on who you are, your activity level where you are hormonally in your cycle, you know, plus two today, if I lift weights may be look really different than plus two tomorrow. And it's the same with work that it's not the amount of hours necessarily. And it's not, um, you know, how do I say this? You could put five people together in a room and say, here's your laptops work two to two. And it will vary depending on their intensity level, their motivation and inspiration, um, many things. And so I think it's really smart to do it the way that you're talking about, that it doesn't matter what time of day it is, and it doesn't matter how long or short it is, two is two. <laughs> well, and I have to give myself permission, because sometimes I will just hit, like, I am done. And the project may need, I may need to come back to the project, because it may not be done but I am done and give myself permission that I can walk away and I can come back because when I try to push through at that moment and put, finish it out, it's not even a B minus project. It just winds up becoming crap and I can feel it in my body. My back, gets really tense. And so just, I walk away, especially if I'm trying to solve a problem or figure out the right thing to say or whatever it is that I'm trying to do sometimes walking away and then all of a sudden it gives me some clarity and I can come back at another point in doing it. So for me who likes to keep everything like, oh, I've got to finish this. I've got to get this done. A lot of times I'm just talking myself off the ledge that it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can come back, you know, and and then what are the deadlines that I can't miss? Obviously, Fridays are the deadlines I can't miss because I have a commitment with somebody else on the other line of this show. 
So those are the deadlines I can't miss. But sometimes I can make my deadlines uh, a bit unrealistic. Do you ever do that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think that in terms of setting deadlines and expectations that are unrealistic, absolutely, which is why the question, how can I make this even easier on myself is so important. Um, and I think speaking to what you were saying before, where, you know, obviously if you have obligations, you have someone else that's going to be on the line. I mean, there's a certain amount of that, that, you know, when you're working between the twos, you can't just, I couldn't just say, Hey, Corinne, guess what? I'm at a plus two. So I'm not going to show up for your radio show. <laughs> like that's not going to work. So it, it you have to self-regulate and check in with yourself enough so that if people are counting on you, um, first of all, that you're, you're signing up for things that feel great on the emotional scale anyway. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that, if I know I'm going to be on this show with you today, then, you know, I'm not going to have back-to-back coaching sessions in the morning so mm-hmm. that I'm all talked out and I, and I coast into your show on fumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, instead you got yourself filled up with a, a massage, which was <laughs> awesome. And also exercise, right? With your friend. Yeah. And so you, yeah. you were able to fill yourself up before you came here. And, and that I think also helped you with, um, the Hyatt Riot situations. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I only cringe at the thought of how I might have reacted if I had not had my run. <laughs> and could you imagine Susan Hyatt? If Susan Hyatt 10 years ago knew that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if she would have thought that was possible. I don't think, I, yeah. First of all, Susan Hyatt 10 years ago would have scoffed at the idea of running. I would have said, hey, the only thing that's going to get me to run is like a shoe sale and or someone's chasing me with a butcher knife. Like run, forget about it. And secondly, Susan Hyatt 10 years ago would have used this morning as a way to beat herself and others up Mm. for sure. And isn't this way so much better? It totally is because it's just like, Hey, next time, don't drink some water. No, uh, <laughs> it's totally better because it's done and it's like I've already said my piece and I'm going to, as soon as we finish today, I'm going to pack for the lake, which is very fun. And I'm going to have all the downtime I want this weekend. Well, there you go. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming and talking about priorities and how we can make them and how they actually look when we live them, even when things get in the way, but then we can circle back. So thank you for having this conversation. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So thanks for listening. And I'm circling back now. I love talking about priorities because what I find so often is that it's a buzzword. Oh, you need to know your priorities, get your priorities. But how often do you actually sit down and think about your priorities? Or maybe you don't even have time to sit down. Maybe you could do it in your car while you're driving, obviously being conscious and aware while you're driving, but in the background, turning off the radio and just thinking, asking yourself, what are my priorities? How is it that I want to live? You know, what are, where am I spending time in my life? And is that where I want to be? What are the things that 
really bother me? Where is their anger coming about? And if you remember an interview that I did with Harriet Lerner about the dance of anger, a lot of times our anger is because that's a notification that a boundary has been broken. So if you find yourself constantly getting angry about something, and that can be a shame trigger, like you wouldn't want to tell anybody, I'm becoming angry. But be honest with yourself of maybe I'm getting angry here. This may be a message about how you're not living in line with your priorities. So what are they? Let go of what they're supposed to be or what other people think they're supposed to be. But what are your priorities? And really giving yourself permission that those are your priorities. And when you do this work, writing it down, and I'm going to give you a big big hint because when I work with this on clients, they'll write down their priorities and then I'll ask them to tell them to me. And guess what? They are never on their list or they may be on their list if they've done some work with me for a while, but they'll be number three or number four. And my question to them is, why aren't you number one? And a lot of times we're not number one because we've been told that we can't be. But it goes back to that metaphor, that story about if you're on an airplane that's going down and you're with your child, whose mouth do you cover with the mask? And so often people who will say, oh, it's my, I cover my child. You have to be able to take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. And so whether it's Susan, she does her early morning runs. I do my early morning workouts because then that's me taking care of myself first so that I can go out and take care of the people in my life, whether it's my family, family, my clients, my team, the listeners. So taking care of myself is a really important thing. Other ways of taking care of myself is making sure I eat or sleep well. So knowing where you are on your priorities, and if you find yourself not on your list, it's not to beat yourself up about it. It's about like, okay, well, what do I need to change to put myself in? And it may be too big of a jump, quite honestly, to go from not being on your list to being number one. That may be too big of a pendulum swing. So maybe you try it for a day and then people in your life don't really like that because they're used to being able to hijack your list every day. We've, we teach people how to treat us. We really, really do. And so when you've never been at the top of your priority, it's going to take time because the people in your life, and this is something Susan and I actually didn't talk about, the people in your life are not going to like the change. They're going to be like, wait a second, this really worked for me when you would drop everything for me right now, right here. Now I have to wait. I don't want to wait. So we teach people how to treat us. So it may be hard for you to go from 10 to 1, but maybe you can go from 10 to 6 or 10 to 8 taking those steps and then keep checking in and making those changes and seeing, are you being true with your priorities? And when you take more better care of yourself, how does that work? How does that ripple out into the other areas of your life? Constantly reflecting. Self-reflection is so critical. It's about us checking in with ourselves. How often do you check in with other people to see how you're doing? Sometimes we hide from it. We don't want to do it. Clients come to me because they're going to get evaluated at work. And that's really scary. But instead of looking at it from that point of view, but looking at it like, wow, the growth mindset of Carol Dweck, what can I learn from this? What insights can I gain? By doing it for yourself, having your own self-reflection. And then you can touch in with other people. What do they think? And then you again, go back and check in with you. Does that line up? Do I believe that's true? So priorities, how do you live with them? And then when opportunities come up or there's something that's really important to your value, like myself with my client that day, I really did want to help her. I knew what she was going through and I wanted to create space. And so how did I do it? I made a deliberate decision to choose to forego my lunch break. 
And then I set myself up going into that day, starting the night prior, of getting myself well rested, of making sure that I have access to drinks or to some sort of calories to keep me going. And I'm not talking calories in terms, but you know, just fuel, fuel, because I'm not going to crunch in their ear. So what is it that I can have so that I'm not sitting there thinking about food as I'm holding space for a client and trying to help a client? That's how I took care of myself to serve her. And that's how I worked within that. It's not something that I can constantly do, but there are moments that we can really rise up and allow our priorities to shift. And that way, another way is what Susan said of looking at the bigger picture, right? It would be okay for me to look at the bigger picture and I don't need a whole hour for lunch. I like that time to decompress, to do sketch up on some other work and to eat and to take a break. But I, at that moment, could give that to my client. So looking at your priorities, how do you make them and living within them and not allowing yourself to be hijacked by our lives. We do this so often. I was the queen of this and then I would complain and I lived in so much victimhood and life happened to me. But I was allowing by not making choices and by being passive in my life, I was allowing it to happen. So it wasn't that it was happening to me. I wasn't creating any structure or boundaries for it not to happen. I wasn't having a voice in my own life. I wasn't showing up in my life. I was hiding away and then blaming others. And then I want to circle back to this whole idea of what if it could be easy, right? I love that because for me, I have this huge work tendency and I love to make things, you know, I, I have been so ingrained and trained into work hard, work hard. And I still want to do my best effort. But what if it could be easy? What are things that I can do to simplify it? And looking at your life, like what are things that you can do? Like, so for the show, I have, you know, an an intro and outro that I do. I have kind of a standard format. These are the kind of conversations I know what I'm going to do. So I have a process setting up systems in your life. I have a system of, you know, when, how I shower. I have systems throughout all areas of my life just to maximize efficiency. So what if it could be easy and not make it look like it's bad, but what if it could be easy so that it could support you in your life? And then I love Susan's, and this is the area that I need to practice on or I'm choosing to practice on is how could this be even more fun? What would make it more fun? Like giving yourself permission that it can be fun. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we can't have fun anymore. So getting really clear about what it is that you want. What if it could be easy? Today I'm having lunch with a girlfriend and we were going to meet downtown. And I thought about it. I'm going to be exhausted after these shows. And I uh, was in the process. There's food that I need to cook for dinner tonight. And I said, hey, what if you came here? It could be, you know, that's a way for be easy. I don't have to go and fight traffic. My other girlfriend was laughing. She said, you're fighting traffic. I live in a small college town. So she was laughing at me compared to like, you know, the Bay Area, but that's okay. And, but it was my girlfriend, my other girlfriend coming here, we can have lunch. We can talk because the thing is about the two of us connecting and I don't have to worry about driving, finding parking and then getting back in time. I will be here. It's what if it could be easy. So that for me is a huge boundary that I use or to practice my life. So what if it could be easy and how can this be more fun? Those are two great questions to ask yourself. And thanks so much for listening because I really love this conversation with Susan about priorities and what it's really like for us, her, she and I, to live with ours, especially when life gets messy. I just loved it. 
I invite you to join our community at howshereallydoesit.com and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to get insights, updates for future episodes so that you never have to worry about missing a show. You can get information about working with me and it's just a great way for you and I to connect and be a part of each other's journeys. A special thanks to Susan for sharing her story with us. And you can go to the show notes to a link to her blog post as well as her website. If you like what you're hearing, please let me know by heading over to iTunes and leave a comment there. It's time to do a shout out to Samantha Thomas for taking the time, a lot of time, for taking the time to leave a comment on iTunes. Thank you so much. There are directions on the show notes about what to click to leave, write a review. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. It's time to discover the beauty of priorities in your life. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-